Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to David Miller, Chief of Maintenance for the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. Hi, David, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. Well, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Uh, before we get started visiting about the challenges of extreme weather in the South, I want to take a minute to remind our listeners that we're being brought to you by AASHTO's PSYCOP Technical Service Program and the voluntary contributions from the State Departments of Transportation that support the program. If it weren't for those contributions, we couldn't bring you things like this podcast and guests like you, David. So, so David, just how big is your operation there at the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development? So real quick, we have um, nine districts and about 3,400 employees in those nine districts and our headquarters uh, maintenance operation folks. So um, that's how we're split up. There's probably about 300, average of 300 to 400 per district and, and including headquarters here. So and and most of those personnel during a winter event would be activated. So so how long have you been involved in maintenance operations? I have been involved in maintenance operations since around 2008 um and from from a lot of different roles but I've been on the I was bridge maintenance engineer for several years and then moved into the chief maintenance engineer uh, about 3 years ago and so I would say on the pure operations side, about 10 years. That's a, that's a pretty decent career. Yep, yep. I've, I've definitely enjoyed being on the maintenance and operations side. It's, uh, there's never a dull moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, speak, speaking of never a dull moment, um, I want to, you know, we were together at, at a conference here a while back and, and we were visiting about the, the challenges that y'all face, uh, particularly when it comes to winter storm events. And, you, you know, a, a lot of folks don't think about snow and ice when they think about uh, the Louisiana DOT, but, but you, sh- you, you get your share. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's frequent enough. We used, to, we used to have a saying that, you know, we would get hit by snow or snow and ice that would be significant enough about once every 10 years. And um, that's just not the case anymore. It, we've had uh, not, not the last few years, but prior to the last couple of years, we had like 11 events in 12 years. And in fact, three years, two, two, three years ago, we had two significant events in the Southern part of the state. And um, clearly the expectations on what we're to do, during those events has, has changed from uh, go back 10, 15 years to where you just waited, let it melt and, and then get, get everything back opened up to now you need to deal with it and you need to get, get it cleared off as, as quickly as possible. So um, it, and, and the little different, the Northern part of our state, I say is get some sort of event, two or three times a year, almost every year. The Southern part is a little, is less frequent than that. It, it may be every other year or so, but um, it's enough with enough frequency where we, we are uh, under a dif- different set of expectations on what we're going to do about it. 
Now, you had mentioned that that before you you would expect you know one storm every every few years, and now it seems like it's coming every year. Uh, how how, is, how does that impact your operation? Well, it's impacted um, uh, us in in the sense of of number of personnel that we put on on um, on these kind of events. We're we've we've modeled after looking at some of the other states and. Um, we don't just have maintenance personnel working these events. We have um, some of our construction inspectors and and other parts of the department that wouldn't normally be involved in a um, in, a, in a winter event involved, including including some of the headquarters maintenance section. So um, it's also made for us have to reflect and do during some of our after action reviews determined that we've got to change some of the equipment we've been using. We actually own snow plows now. Um, and so we haven't used them since we bought them. So that, that may have been a, an insurance policy. I'm not sure, but um, we've, we've purchased some and we've, we, we've learned a lot over the years in talking from with, with the other states, um, especially the, uh, the Southern states that deal with something more infrequently like we do. Yet expectations have changed to where you, you you can't just wait for the snow to melt or the ice to melt. You've got to get out there and do something about it. So we've bought um, we ramped up pretty significantly last year on the equipment we've we we've purchased both from from snow plows to additional brining uh, operations and um, all that takes uh, a little effort, you know, in getting equipment that you don't have, especially for the, like the brining where we've got to have large tanks and then distribution systems to either add to your equipment or use for your existing equipment. Now, now would you say the, the majority of your storms end up being, being snow or, or is there ice involved? No, the, the, definitely recently it's been snow, but historically most of them have been more of an ice event and which is a lot harder to, uh, it seems to be a lot harder to, to combat against. Um, so, yeah, if you're dealing with half inch, three quarters of an inch of frozen water on your on your structures, uh, it it creates a big ice skating rink. So most of the time, that's what we're dealing with. The other challenge that we have um, with that is most often our events are preceded by rain, and so. Uh, we're not getting just really cold, cold weather, and then it snows, and you can get out there and plow it off. You've got a lot of rain, a lot of water already on the roads as you begin to get freezing temps, and then sometimes we get the snow on top of all that. And so it's a it's a definite challenge. You know, I, I know from my days in the district, I would take snow over ice any day. It's just like, how do you go about fighting it? It's, it's, uh, if you put your anti-icing treatments down, the rain washes it all off. Um, so what, how, how do you work your strategies? How, how, how do you attack something like that? Well, I mean, it, it's, it, it's like you said, it's going to depend on, on what the conditions are. And if we are getting a lot of, of, of rain in advance of an event, um, I guess one of the other challenges we've had is if there's a lot less um, accuracy on weather forecasts for these kind of things down here. Uh, there's just, I guess they're not used to dealing with it as much. So we are attempting to pre-treat more if we can, but 
like you said, if it's raining, um, you're wasting, you're just wasting time and resources. Uh, not that Brian is that expensive, but it's just, it, it's, if it's raining a good bit, you're not going to get a lot of bang for your buck. So we have to monitor the temps real closely in the field and um, monitor the weather conditions a lot with our own personnel. So we have, like like I'm sure a lot of all the other states do, we have scout teams out that are um, pre-positioned. We pre-position uh, materials in locations where they're easier to get to. Uh, based on on what the weather predictions are so that's that's how we that's our best approach to 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 being successful in in it and you can still like i said if you get a lot of rain and you get really fast dropping cold temperatures you can still just be in a mess well and 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 i don't know but but it would seem to me that um you know, up north, you know, we we pay real close attention to the surface temperature, and of course, it's it's very predictable. Um, you know how it how the surface temperature reacts to the to the air temperature and so on, and and you you sort of get a feel for it, and and you know that the um, just because you know it might be freezing, the atmospheric temperature might be freezing. If that pavement is nice and warm, uh, it gives you a little bit of a buffer. But you know, it would it would seem to me that if uh, you had a lot of water on the road and, and that atmospheric temperature dropped real low. Uh, you could get some ice forming up even, even with some warmer temperatures. I don't know. Is that, is yeah. that true? Yeah, that's a, that's an issue. And, and a, another unique issue to Louisiana um, is, is the number of bridges we have. And as you know, they freeze quicker than, than the roadway does. And, so just for instance, out of the 20 longest structures in the country, 18 of them are in Louisiana. So we've got a lot of bridges that are very long, 20 miles long, 18 miles long. And um, so one of the things we, we've we had to do, knowing that we couldn't, and the most of those are on the interstate, um, knowing that we probably didn't have the resources and, and still don't, to be able to keep all of those open, we have predetermined routes that we have uh, that have less structures on them that we will concentrate on to keep those open first, and then move to those those other routes that that are important but a lot harder to keep open. And and just for instance, I ten um, between here and Lafayette is almost 19 miles of elevated bridge, so. That's that's a significant challenge to keep that structure open. Just adjacent to it, about 15 miles, is US 190, and it has only a few structures on it. So we're able to keep 190 as a major east-west route open, whereas we we very likely would lose I-10 um, during an event. So we've got these predetermined routes that across the state that we've decided are the key routes that we have the resources to keep open. Um, maybe going into the future, we'll have more resources and we can, we can do it all. But mainly we're concentrating on the structures too. We're, we're not um, doing a lot of uh, winter, uh, fighting winter storms on the roadways themselves. It's mostly, it's mostly the bridges because it's most of the times they're the ones that are, that are freezing. We're having problems on. I see. Now, so 
it it's it strikes me as you're as you're talking about these long structures that I mean it's like for me uh sitting out here in the western part of the US a 19 mile long bridge is just something I don't see every day um it and it would seem to me that if you're putting materials you know chemical or or even sand or abrasives uh on these bridges the only place for that that runoff to go is in the water underneath it uh, are are you uh are you faced with some environmental issues in in your winter maintenance program not not with salt and brine no um that has not been an issue yet i mean i hope it doesn't become an issue but um with with salt and brine we're we are we are good to go um and yeah it, it ends up it ends up in the water and uh we get so much rain here i'm not sure that that it really makes a big difference especially with you know, if you're salting once or twice a year, I'm not sure that you're adding a lot of a lot of I see. a lot of yeah. salt to these are large bodies of water. So, you know, it's not <laughs> like what you may be picturing over there in the western, yeah. the beautiful western part of the country with a mountain stream and and all that. It, this is this is large bodies of water. Yeah, I, I remember in in uh, back when I was in college, they used to say the solution to pollution is dilution, right? <laughs> yep or the solution to put now now they say the opposite no that's not the solution so. <laughs> that's not the solution right <laughs> right so um aside from using brines uh, are, are your brines mostly uh sodium chloride you mostly use salt yeah yes yes and and we have um because of our large oil field industry we've got um locations where we can get this stuff pretty easily around most of the state and it's it's really pretty cheap so uh, we've found that that works pretty well uh, we've talked to other states it sounds like you know in talking to some of the other states that they're going to a more of a combination of both the hard rock and and the and the brine mm-hmm. we'll see we're we've we're set up to, to do that um, and we'll see what happens this winter if we end up needing to use any of that Okay. Now, you you mentioned uh, before that you bought some plows and you haven't used them since you got them. And and I imagine that that as a as somebody planning a budget, uh you really have like one of the toughest jobs, right? Because if you if you invest in some capital, you know, equipment uh and you don't ever use it and it's just growing cobwebs, well then you get criticized because you've spent money on something that you don't use. But on the flip side, if you need something to to fight a storm, you know, say the, the you know some of these long bridges get shut down for a week, uh, then you'll really be criticized for not being ready for it. Uh, I keep you awake at night. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a challenge, especially with um, you know with a shrinking budget. But again knowing what the expectations are of us we we um we carved out some of our budget like i said a couple of years ago and and did buy some some snow plows and some brining equipment the the beauty in the um i guess the brining operations is is we already have some pretty significant herbicide application efforts going on and that some of that equipment can be used for dual purposes so i'm not just buying stuff that I can only use once every couple of years. Obviously, the snow plows are in that category, 
mm-hmm. and the you know the salt spreaders are in that that category as well. But a lot of the brining equipment um, that that's used to disperse the the brine is can be can be dual purposes for most of the year. So that 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 helps sell that um, that need for the funding. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned uh, a little bit about talking with other states, and um, uh, I know you know Heath Patterson. Heath is uh, the PSYCOP representative from the Sashto region, and and he's mentioned to me that that you all have a very active uh, group that that you get together with a lot of regularity and and talk about different issues. Uh, Has it always been that way, or is that something that's just getting going? No, I think it's been that way for a while. Um, and, and in fact, I'm going to see Heath tomorrow. So um, we're at our, we're, we have the South uh, Eastern Regional Equipment Rodeo with the other states. So I'll, I'll be seeing him for that. There's, there's a lot of different occasions. We, we meet with them um, for other things such as hurricane contra flow where we, where we run, um, basically run a couple of our interstates uh, wrong way if we're doing an evacuation of new Orleans. So we meet with them there and I see them at Mac and we, um, we coordinate a good bit. There's also a regional partnership meeting that we go to with all the Southeastern states states where we talk about things like this. And, and, um, so we, we, uh, and we also do a coordination meeting with text dot on the, um, the other side of the state for specifically for winter maintenance coordination. And, um, so we get our districts that line up with their districts together, and we meet usually in November to talk about strategies and anything that's changed regarding priority routes and personnel. Um, so we 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 and we Arkansas is also involved in that that meeting as well. So we do a fair amount of coordination with the other states and and having those relationships and being able to pick up the phone and call and ask questions and them do the same thing with us is is invaluable uh, with without a doubt now you you mentioned uh you know hurricanes and and uh contra flow and and things like that uh this whole deal of of snow and ice is just but one of the severe weather uh events type events that that you have to deal with um what else what else do you wrestle with uh during a severe winter season or weather season i guess yeah, weather season. I mean, our biggest threat, other than you know, non-winter events, is, is certainly hurricanes and or and or flooding. Um, we during 2016 we had some uh, very significant flooding twice in, in March and in August across the state. In fact, we we have more homes uh, flooded during the August 2016 flood than we did for Hurricane Katrina. So those pose significant challenges to the department and being able to respond and uh, open up road, keep roadways open. Uh, the Mississippi River for this last year was at an all-time record high for an all-time record number of days, and we had flooding um, around the state because of that. And we we had to do things like uh, deploy aqua dams and and different dewatering systems along some of our state routes just to keep them open. So those are things we, we deal with 
even during a hurricane, most of the, the, the worst effects from the hurricane generally are flooding and not, not necessarily the wind issues. And uh, so we're, we're pretty, we already went through one, one hurricane earlier in the, early in the year, which is why I was not at Mac um, mm-hmm. in, in Michigan. So those are things we deal with on a fairly regular basis and, and having, uh, you know, when those things happen, we have all the other states, most of the other states in the southern region are calling and offering help, and we do the same when when something's headed in their way, and we've we have sent help, and and they have sent help as well. So, it's these these relationships with the other states are invaluable. Well, and and I think what's what's so important is if if something big is coming and and you've got to evacuate. You know, people don't just stop at the state line, right? There, there needs to be this continuity of service from from one district to another and from one state to another that that is like so important for for people's safety. Yeah, I mean, the contraflow deal is a huge deal, and I, I hope we don't ever have to use it. But yeah, we're basically dumping the citizens of New Orleans up into the lower region of Mississippi and and up. And so there's a tremendous amount of coordination that takes place with uh, in Mississippi DOT and and the uh, law enforcement from on their side. Um, actually, there's probably more effort on their end than there is on our end to be able to to pull that off. So <clears throat> we have a planning meeting that we go over all the details of that every year, and it, it's the same thing when we have a winter event. If um, if we've got certain routes closed and they're trying to open them up and you can't dump them into Louisiana because that route's not closed. That, that coordination has to be taking place. Uh, either way, either us trying to put people in, in into Mississippi or, or them here or Arkansas or Texas. That's why we do these coordination meetings. Yeah. We did a, we did a podcast uh, not all that long ago, last season, I think it was, on a uh, Clear Roads project that talked about planning for those emergency situations. Um, and and there's, a, there's a lot that goes into that. And a lot of it's relationships, right? Just knowing who the person is to talk to on the other side uh, becomes so key. And you don't want to do that in the middle of an event, right? You oh, want to no. oh, yeah, do that absolutely. when the when the skies are blue and the birds are singing and you don't have all this extra stress. Well, you, you do that. And, and, you know, those occur through, through the conferences we go to, through the planning meetings that we have. And you're right. I mean, knowing, knowing who, who to contact and, and when the, when the uh, event is going on and the crisis is happening and everybody's expecting you to, to deal with it and deal with it professionally and quickly. You can't be fumbling around trying to figure out who 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 do I need to call. Um, you, you've got the phone numbers, you've got the numbers. They've already typically they've already reached out to you ahead of time and have offered assistance. So um, it's it is invaluable to plan those things and to have those relationships in place ahead of time. Right. So, so David, what kind of things are in the future for the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development regarding winter maintenance? Well, hopefully we can eventually get a funding package through that will increase some of the um, operation maintenance and preservation funding. And um, I would, I would think that as we have a better level of funding that we can do more uh, 
with um, with fighting winter winter uh, winter events that occur. Like I said, we're primarily concentrating on the bridges on those routes that are priority routes, and not necessarily the entire roadway system. Mm-hmm. I I see somewhere in the future that that will change, and and there'll be more of an expectation to to do it all. But all that right. That's take- going to take money, right? Yep. Well, David, is is there anything else that uh, you'd like to you'd like to mention about about your operation there? No, um, I just thought it was very ironic that that you know we had two two really significant winter events, um, one in December and January, and so then we did all of our after action reviews and determined we had to ramp up equipment and and bought snow plows and haven't had an event in the last two years. So maybe I should knock on wood. We probably have one this winter, but we're ready for it. If it happens, you know, it seems like the, the best way to have a light winter is to plan winter maintenance research, right? It's like, uh, how, how is it that that happens? <laughs> it's just uh, fate is all I can say. <laughs> well, well, David, thanks for being on Psychop talks, winter ops and, and sharing your experiences and thoughts on winter maintenance. Thank you, Rick. I enjoyed it. You know, one last thing for all you winter maintenance folks out there. Uh, in September of 2020, PSYCOP is co-hosting the International Road Weather and Winter Maintenance Conference and Peer Exchange. And it's going to be in your backyard, David, in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, this will be a combination of uh, the every four-year TRB conference uh, on winter maintenance and road weather and the every two-year National Winter Maintenance Peer Exchange. So uh, mark your calendar and stay tuned for some more information. And I guess when I say Atlanta, Georgia's in your backyard, it's like the further away you get from Louisiana, the bigger your backyard becomes, right? <laughs> well, it's about seven hours away, so it's not too far. Well, that's about it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening in to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops. And until next time... Uh, Keep your salt dry, your trucks clean, and one eye on the weather.